Grace and mercy and peace be with you, my dear friends in Christ, from God our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus. Amen. As I mentioned, today we are looking at the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And I just have to say, the Apostle Paul was an amazing man. Uh, it, it's thought that he traveled somewhere uh, around 15,000 miles over three different missionary journeys uh, from the years 46 to 57 AD. So in the span of 11 years, he traveled around 15,000 miles, uh, much of it by boat and sea through the Mediterranean region, but a lot of it on foot as well. You know, had it not been for the Apostle Paul traveling as he did and starting the churches uh, where he did, uh, without him, it's, it's possible that Christianity uh, would have just remained a small little uh, sect of Judaism in the region of Jerusalem. Had it not been for him uh, going and being sent off to these far places throughout the world, Paul went intentionally as a missionary to the nations. Intentionally, he brought the good news of Jesus Christ to those people in those places. Often people in places where no other Christians really wanted to go because it was hostile territory, yet Paul went. Paul went from a previous life of intentionally persecuting and arresting and seeing to the death of Christians, he went from that life under the name of Saul to a life of a missionary proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to the far-flung reaches of the known world. Paul was an amazing man, and today we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about his ministry and how that affects us as well. Now last week, if you were here, uh, this, the sermon that I preached last week focused on witnessing. What does it mean to be a witness, and how do we go about doing that? And we focused on uh, Peter's words, the, the words from Peter at the Pentecost event, when the Spirit came into Peter's life and the apostles' lives, and they went into the streets to proclaim the good news of Jesus. And we talked about how Jesus had given the apostles the command to be my witnesses. So last week we talked about Peter. This week we're going to talk about Paul. Hey, so now after these two weeks, you're actually going to know a little bit about these guys that our church is named after. So there you go, if nothing else, right? So during that, during that sermon last week, we talked about uh, witnessing. Again, what does it mean to witness? And we kind of defined this as um, testifying what it is that we have seen and experienced in our own lives about the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, because we are Christian people, because we've received the good news of Jesus Christ, in many ways we are mandated to testify, to bear witness about what we've seen and experienced. The main message in that book of Acts, as I said last week, as Peter stood in front of the crowds, the main message in the book of Acts is this. You killed Jesus. You people killed Jesus, but God raised him. And after God raised him, Jesus appeared to us. He revealed himself to us as the fulfillment of all the scriptures. And we are here simply to tell you about what we've seen. And, and the same bears true for us. Again, we are called to simply bear witness to what we have seen and experienced with Jesus. 
Last week, uh, I, I mentioned I, I wanted you to focus on three parts of your body and how these things bear, bear witness. So I asked you to think about your eyes and your hands and your lips. And, and I asked you on a given day, who do your eyes see? What do your hands touch? And what do your lips say? And I wanted you to think of these things as you look at the people that you see every day. Who do you see? What do your hands touch that you can mold or shape or, or use a, to bear witness to the risen Savior Jesus? And what do your lips say? How do you speak of the hope and the peace and the love and the grace that Jesus gives to us? Now, when it comes to witnessing, when it comes to testifying about who Jesus is, there are many times in our lives where it, where it just sort of happens. Where on, on any given day in ordinary circumstances, God opens up doors for us to tell people about what we know and have seen and experienced about Jesus. It happens in the daily course of events. And, and actually, there's a Bible passage from Peter that speaks to this. It's in the book of 1 Peter, where he says this. Even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. So Peter reminds us that, that we need to be ready and, and willing, I guess, at all times to explain to people why we have hope. To explain this, this love and this grace that God so lavishes on us. But Paul, or Peter reminds us that by doing that in this world, we might be slandered. People might get upset with us because we're, we're telling the world that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And some people aren't willing to hear that. And there are other times, as I mentioned last week when we were talking about our lips, there are many times in your lives where people are going to try to draw you in to speak poor words about your neighbors through gossip, to speak words of anxiety and fear when God calls you to use your lips to bring hope and peace and, and joy and, and love. So we do this with gentleness and respect so that we can stand firm in the truth of Jesus Christ. We need to be ready at all times to extend the hand of grace to all people and at all times. So here's the deal. Peter tells us that we need to be ready at all times, and we learn this in the book of Acts. But then as we watch what Paul does, we also learn that we need to be intentional intentional about bringing the good news of Jesus Christ. There are times where it just happens, but there are also times where we need to be intentional about going, especially as Paul did to people and places that many might not want to go. It takes intentionality. So what does it mean to do something intentionally? Uh, what does it mean to do something intentionally? Does, does being intentional mean you just sit around to wait for something to happen? No, not really. It means you need to take action to make some. Here, let me give you an example. I have a little bubble wand. This is bubbles here. 
Now, watch this. I am going to blow bubbles unintentionally. I guess it doesn't work. Now, let me be intentional about blowing bubbles. I'm going to take the wand out and I'm going to... Huh. What do you know? If I put my mind to it and, you know, set it as a plan and a course of action, I can blow a bubble. Huh. Imagine that. Intentionality. When you set a plan and a course of action and you carry it out for a specific purpose. Think about it. Think about all the intentional decisions that you have to make on a daily basis. You're here today. You gather in worship. I believe most of you are here intentionally. Some of you might be here against your will. I don't, I don't know. But you're here, right? Let's, let's, let's take a couple other examples. Think about your time, right? Think about your time, your, your calendar that you keep. If you are not intentional about your time, time just happens to you, doesn't it? If you do not prioritize and set aside time for your spouse, if you're married, and for your children, it does not just happen. Think about your money. If you do not make your money work for you, it will just disappear, will it not? Think of the way that you give your offerings, hopefully, in support of the ministry of the gospel. Do you give your offerings off of the top? Or do you wait to give off of the leftovers? <laughs> the scriptures are very clear about giving our first fruits and living on the rest, right? Not waiting until we see what we have left and then giving. But it takes intentionality and planning and, and purpose to make that happen. Think about it. If, if for those of you that regularly exercise... To regularly exercise takes intentionality. You have to actually make the decision and do it. it. It doesn't just happen. And the same thing is true with proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and lonely and destitute and broken and dark world. We as God's people have been called to proclaim the good news of the risen Savior Jesus Christ into this world, especially if we're actually going to go to those people in those places. You know, the Apostle Paul, he was an amazing man, and he didn't take the easy route. He never took the easy route. He went to those people, and he went to those places. He went to places where no Christians had really gone before. And in the Apostle Paul's ministry, in any city that he went to, the first place that he went was right to the center of the religious elite, right into the midst of their synagogue where the Jewish leaders were. And he stood in their presence and he boldly proclaimed that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all of the scriptures. Not only did Paul go to the religious elite, but he also went to the academic elite. Paul found himself teaching in the places where philosophies of the world were dominating the conversation. And he entered into those conversations with the good news of this God who created all that exists and, and whose fulfillment and plan and purpose comes from the incarnation, from God coming to dwell with us and be with us and save us in Jesus Christ. Paul went to those people in those places and it was not easy. It actually led to numerous beatings that he faced. 
It led to numerous imprisonments. It led to him being slandered and reviled. Yet it also bore much fruit. Because in every city that he went, Christian people were converted and churches were started. Paul went to those people in those places. When I was serving on my uh, vicarage, which is essentially a pastoral internship during our seminary training, uh, it's a one-year internship. I was at a church in uh, a, 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 a suburb of Denver, Colorado. Uh, if you've been to Denver, it's in Lakewood, Colorado, right between Denver and the mountains. Uh, and while I was there, I got actively involved uh, with a local ministry that served the homeless and, uh, I guess, partially homeless, the working poor, uh, some that lived on the streets and, and many that lived in run-down motels uh, on what used to be the old Route 66, Colfax Avenue, going through Denver, Colorado. Those of you that have been around um, the last couple of weeks, our college students with Marcus Huff went to Denver, Colorado and served with this agency called Mean Street Ministry uh, the last two years. But I got actively involved in this ministry when I was there. Uh, and then through our church, and I've talked about this before at various different times, but uh, at our church we actually began a ministry uh, building relationships with these folks living in motels. And, and we called this ministry The Table. So on, on Tuesday nights, I would go out on the streets with this agency and serve local people. And then on Thursdays, we would drive a bus around and pick people up, bring them to our church. Uh, we called it The Table because we sat around for a meal. And it was intentionally not designed as a soup kitchen. This was not a, not a soup kitchen for the homeless. This was just a meal for people of various walks of life to sit down and mutually serve one another. So that's what we did. Church people, homeless people, lawyers, doctors, those who just got released from prison. Beautiful image of what I think heaven is going to look like. And people sat down, down around tables, ate food, and then after that uh, we'd have a, a worship service and gather uh, together for that. That ministry is still going strong today. Uh, thank God for that. But it was interesting for me being there in the beginning. Now, I'm, I was just an intern, right? I didn't know any better, and I was only there for a year, so kind of got to, you know, do some things, I, I guess. But uh, when, when I was there, the, the real interesting thing was on a, on a weekly basis, throughout the work week, as soon as we started building these relationships with the people living on the streets, those people started showing up at church during the week. Those people did, and, and we, it was a rather large church, and we had a receptionist, and the receptionist would oftentimes call me up and say, so-and-so is here, and, and I'll come down. And sometimes they just wanted to chat with me or one of the pastors. Sometimes they wanted something from the food bank. or sometimes, A lot of times they just wanted to know if the table was happening today also because it was such an impactful thing in their life. But here's the deal. They were oftentimes referred to by the good church people as those people. Those people. And, and I would get asked often, where are you going? You're going to that motel on that street, really? Why? Dear friends in Christ, what, what would you have said? What would you have said? Would you have said, why are why those people here? Frankly, let's not talk hypothetically. What will you say? 
What will you say when those people begin to arrive at God's doors here? What will you say when those people begin to interact with you? Frankly, it's already happening in many ways. In this room, many of you are gathered from different walks of life. You don't know everybody in this room. So we need to be careful about who we define as those people in those places. Because what we find out in the end is that we are all those people. And I don't want to give these good church people too hard of a time from my church in Denver because some of the biggest um, people who were having a difficult time with this new ministry really came around in the end. Because we invited them to come, have a meal, have conversation, sit down and chat with these regular people who are in a different walk of life than you. And as soon as they did, they realized, you know what? We're all those people. We are those people in the lost and far-flung reaches where sin and darkness plague us daily. And we have a God who has gone to the extreme lengths to come to us, those people, in those situations where you find yourself on a daily basis and you go, I know my sin. I know my temptation. I'm going to do everything in my power for no one to know about this. And your God is right there with you, coming to seek you and save you, to come to find you who are lost. We have a God who came into this world and humbled himself. And while he walked on this earth, he came to eat with tax collectors and sinners, and he was ridiculed for it. Our God came into this world, and he healed and befriended widows, lepers, societal outcasts, prostitutes. You want me to keep going? Jesus Christ himself came for the lost and the least the broken, the destitute, and he came to show what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is like this. It is a place not just for a few people in a few places. The kingdom of God is for all people in all places, of every tribe and tongue, of every nation, of every societal status. Jesus Christ has come for all. So I ask you today just to think a little bit, to be prayerful about this. Where in our community, where in your lives are those people? Who, who are they? Give them a name. Give them a place. And then give yourself some time to pray and ask God for the ability and the desire to be intentional about bringing the goodness of Jesus Christ to those people in those places. Because had it not been for Paul, we might not be here. God has called you, my friends, to be a witness of Jesus Christ. Sometimes just being ready, just being ready to walk through the door when he opens it and at other times to be intentional. Where can you be intentional that you are not being intentional right now? Think on that, pray on that, We come back next week to continue this journey with the Apostle Paul. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.